0: Uh, Gareth Abdenor is our employment law expert. He joins us on the line here. G'day, Gareth. Hello, G'day Gareth. guys. How are you? Good, mate. Hey, thank you so much for doing this, Gareth, because uh, we're already getting loads of people. Um, are you finding that your workload has increased off the charts? since? Yeah, it yeah. sure has. Mm. Wow. Um,
1: unfortunately, uh, people are facing uh, hard times, and so uh, both employees and employers uh, are needing
0: guidance. Right. Well we've got the call standing by. Can can I just ask something? Because Phil and I have been discussing this with our family of listeners just an hour or so ago. So the government's suggesting, and so are the medical experts to say if you get a sniffle, even a little tickle in your throat, don't go to work coming into winter, right? Because of this whole COVID thing. But in New Zealand we only have five sick days allowed for the most part. So let's say you are an employee and you've got a slight tickle, but you've used up your sick leave and You want to go into work because you think you're fine. There's just a tickle. But your boss says, I'm sorry, we don't want you in here. But you've already used your sick leave. So he says or she says, you've got to use your annual leave or leave without pay. What do you do about that?
1: That's a really difficult situation, Simon. I guess the real difficulty is if people are sick, they shouldn't be coming to work because that just, Increases the infection, you know, p- mm, yeah. put aside COVID 19, even if it's just the, the regular flu or even a regular cold. Uh, people come to work, they're sick, they infect their co workers. It's just bad all round. Mm. Um, the difficulty for employers, of course, is, you know, in, even, even the five sick days, uh, if people are sick, they are not being productive. Um, and So they're not contributing to the operation of the business. Now, if people start to take more leave than that, that just has more of an impact on the business. And unfortunately, we just get um, businesses having to absorb more and more and more. Mm. Um, I I have heard that there have been some suggestions that um, the statutory entitlements for sick leave should be increased, well, you know, you keep squeezing businesses; something has to give,
0: yeah. and
1: unfortunately, what that often means is that people end up losing losing their jobs. So there's there's no easy answer.
0: Right, I, I suspected that. Okay, thanks, uh, Gareth. Let's go straight to the phones then. Brian's on the line. Good day, Brian.
1: Hello, Brian. Good day, Hello, Gareth. How are you? Oh, I'm good, Brian. How can we help?
0: Yeah, so before
2: COVID in November last year. The business decided they're going to move the operations to Australia. I was told on that very same day, not to worry, you've got another year and a half to two years here to decommission the site. I was told that again in March. And on Friday, when it's official, um, I was told, now you're finishing in August. But in the meantime, I haven't had the luxury of looking for other work or anything like that because I had a promise that I want to have employment for at least 18 months with a three-month notice period.
1: What do I do? Well, it's a very difficult, difficult then, situation, so Brian.
2: Just to add to that, as they say to me, okay, Brad, you've been such a good worker uh,
1: for August, you don't have to come into work. Yeah. Um, a very difficult situation and I can only empathise with you. I guess the difficulty for a lot of, well, none of us saw this coming. Um, And COVID-19, you know, I'm I'm getting really sick of that trite comment that people make that it's unprecedented, but really in our lifetimes it is unprecedented. Uh, And so, you know, your employer may have had the best intentions when they told you those things. Unfortunately, everybody is having to um, adapt to that. I can totally see how difficult that must be for you if you haven't been looking for a job because you thought you were safe. Um, The only thing you can do is have some discussions with your employer about that. Um, It may be that there is some sort of compromise possible. Um, But, you know, they... They weren't expecting this to happen. If if they are able to do something, you know, start their conversation and see if you can come to some sort of arrangement. Um, that's
0: that's the best advice I could give. All right, thanks, Gareth. Hopefully that'll work for you, Brian. Let's go to Manuko. Hello, Lisa.
3: Oh, hi guys. How are Hello. you? Good. Nice. Thanks. Good. Okay. So our situation is um, my husband's team uh, at work. There's his department of just over around 100 people. Everyone has been disestablished, and and you can uh, they can apply for a role, but there's smaller number of positions available. So my question is, if he applies for a job, goes through the interview, is then to find out more information, you know, pay and travel and all that stuff. And then, um, if he's then offered a job, does that then make his redundancy null and void?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of it comes down to the particular details of each case. But the general rule is that if you are offered uh, employment and your employment doesn't come to an end, Uh, it may be that the entitlement to redundancy compensation is no longer there. Oh, gosh. There was a a case of the employment court uh, last year or the year before that really changed people's thinking on this, though, and it does depend on what's in uh, the employment agreement. So Mm. what is in your husband's employment agreement? Uh, It may be that... If he is offered a position that is uh, not equivalent, so the pay substantially less or the seniority substantially less, it might be that he still qualifies for redundancy. Or his employment agreement may actually require his employment to be terminated. So he could be offered um, a lower position. Uh, and, and that would mean he doesn't get any redundancy entitlements. So the first step is to have a look at the redundancy section of the employment agreement. Um, that will set out exactly what he's entitled to. The other thing you mentioned, though, is he shouldn't have to go to an interview to find out what the details of the new position is. He should have that information provided to him before he has to apply for that role. That oh,
3: that's interesting because, you know, they've done the job descriptions and those seem fairly generic and um, all that at this stage because we're wondering if, um, because he's been with this uh, organisation for a long time, it's when so he's got a fairly decent redundancy package and then we're sort of assuming that the new contracts might mean that the re- new redundancy entitlement won't be anywhere near as generous as what the long time ago contract will be, so we're also wondering if that's not comparable, is that perhaps a, uh, okay thanks for offering me this job but it's Mm. actually not comparable so I'm actually going to take my redundancy.
1: And that's definitely why he needs to very carefully check the terms of his current agreement to make sure he doesn 't turn something down and then be in the worst possible situation where he doesn 't get the redundancy and he doesn 't get the job you know yeah
3: exactly um, exactly so
1: so have a have a very careful read of the employment agreement. if it still doesn 't make sense, then I think it would be well worth investing uh, a little bit of money and getting some advice on that
3: Oh so you think that you would be able to get the employment agreement or access to it before.
1: Well, he he should have an employment agreement.
3: He's, got, he's got his existing one that he's yeah, had forever. But that's
1: what he needs to check first.
3: Yes, yes. And so, yeah. and there, his redundancy is... That's right. Is, yeah, it's yeah. is tricky. Does he take the lump sum redundancy, you know, yeah. that yeah, and, it's, and it's versus it's a horrible, and horrible job market versus a potential new job with...
0: Yeah, you know? it's very tough. But um, hopefully, Lisa, you'll get, I reckon that's good advice in that situation mm. too, Gareth, to get to get further advice because that is a really tricky one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and the stakes are high. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I can fully understand people not wanting to incur costs um, in this environment. But the last thing you want to do is save a few hundred dollars and and you know risk losing your livelihood.
0: Lose out on tens of thousands. Wrong, yeah, yeah. Totally. That's right. Joined by Gareth Abdenor, employment law expert. Thank you again, Gareth, for your time. And uh, let's go back to the phones if you've got a question. oh eight hundred eighty ten eighty. 80 10
3: G'day, Diane. Oh, hi. 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 I was just wondering, we and have a apprentice that works for us. He's actually employed through the apprenticeship, well, you know, a training school, mm. but, and they contract him to us. Now, they... Applied for and got the government subsidy for the over the COVID time. And our apprentice was off work for five weeks, and when it got back to level three, he resumed work with us. So they have not passed on the following seven weeks like, um, of the COVID. Is that what's supposed to happen? Do you see what I mean? Oh,
1: that's um. That 's a tricky situation yeah um, Diane the 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 arrangements with apprentices uh, are generally pretty complicated um, sometimes yeah. they are employed directly by the company as you say sometimes they are employed by a training organization and then, and then contracted sometimes it's um kind of like uh, untangling the spaghetti.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> the important thing to remember with the wage subsidy is the wage subsidy is paid to the employer company. Um, now, you would need to look at exactly what the arrangements are between right. your company and the uh, training organisation that employs this apprentice. Uh, it may be that they don't have to pass on that wage subsidy. Right. Um, but that's I, not something I could answer without actually going through all of the documents. But that's okay. what you need to look at. You need to look at the the documentation that sets out the arrangement between the apprentice, the training organisation and the company.
0: Right. Okay. Good on you. Thank Best you very start. much, Thank Diane. You. Appreciate you calling Diane. very much. We'll go to a couple of texts in a moment. We've got so many phone calls coming in here. Hello, Carlos. Yes, yes. Oh,
2: just let me turn my phone down. Gosh, that was quick. I mean, uh, sorry, not my phone, the radio down. <laughs> no problem. Listen, that was quick. Thank yeah. you so much. Listen, I have a question. Um, I'm trying to help my son out. He's 25. He's a uh, duty manager at a local uh, supermarket in here in Dunedin. Now, in his contract, he was contracted to work from um, um, 12 in the afternoon till 9.30 at night. Now, uh, they had to take on a new staff um, member, a storeman, um and he wasn't available to work Saturday. So my son picked that shift up. I'll keep this as quickly as possible. On the interim, till they found somebody. Now, he suffers from a uh, sleeping disorder, and he's on some quite heavy medication. Um, he's approached his employer and said, listen, this has become a, quite a dangerous issue, health and safety, and they just turned around and said, well, we can't change your shift. Just drop one of your days. Um, oh. Where do we take it? Because they asked for verification off his uh, doctor and, and they gave him a medical note stating uh, the medication he's on. He's in no fit condition to finish work at half past nine at night and to be back on the workforce at six o'clock in the morning mm. due to the medication.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a good situation and certainly wherever there's um, you know, safety implications, uh, you need to be extra cautious we, yes, we well, definitely don't want anything to be happening to your son no um, no
2: well not only that his concern is it's not only his own welfare it's the staff around him you know ie he's driving a forklift on a saturday unloading trucks and then the store on that and it's just a totally safe environment and as we just feel his employers are just washing their hands of it they asked for a verification from his gp and they stated he shouldn't be at work um, within eight hours of him uh, just finishing, because yeah. um, he's only getting something like about five hours sleep, and then having to appear at work while he's under the influence of the medication.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely not a good situation. I, I would definitely, you. I would, do that again with the employer, um, not not to make an excuse for the employer, but I do know that often people raise health and safety um, when it's not really an issue and so employers can become uh, a little bit callous uh, in relation to it. But this sounds like a, a genuine situation where you do need to make it quite clear to the uh, to the business uh, what the risk is. Uh, the difficulty where there is uh, a health situation like this which is potentially creating a health and safety risk, is that if your son uh, does have this health condition that wasn't previously disclosed, that could have consequences for his employment as well. And so if uh, the employer wasn't aware that it couldn't um, put him on certain shifts, uh, that may create some difficulties in them providing him what the same amount of work that they used to uh, the first step as uh, as I say uh, time and time again on the show though is he really needs to make it clear to them that this is an issue he can't keep doing it and then they need to sit down and try and come up with a constructive way forward um, it may be that he
0: will have to work slightly shorter hours but certainly if there's a health risk he can't keep doing it Good stuff. Thank you, Gareth. Hopefully that helps, Carlos. We'll take one more quick call before the break. G'day, Steve. How are you, all right? Good, mate. Thank you. It's good.
1: Hey, just one. Um, obviously, when we were in lockdown, we agreed to a, um, a, a reduced um, times time to work and obviously a, a pro rata rate for our wages. But it looks like at the end of the um, at the wage subsidy, we're going. I'm going to be made redundant and given a month's notice. Is that month's notice worked out at your... Reduce rate or your proper original contract rate for yeah, wages? a great question, Stephen. That's a yeah. question that's coming up all the time. It really depends on what you agreed with your employer. So uh, some businesses uh, have agreed to go on reduced hours and reduced pay for a set time period. Other um, uh, businesses uh, and staff have agreed that it will be evaluated at certain time points. Uh, so that determines what notice you would be entitled to. What, what if, about in the situation where I requested uh, a definitive date when we signed the uh, agreement for the reduced ones, and they come back and told me that there's no way they could give you that date, yet it was sort of tied in with lockdown, but... Um, yeah, so well, I did that, ask that and request it, but they wouldn't give me one. That, that, that may be something that you need to pursue further then. Um, of course, you need to weigh up the, uh, the cost of pursuing it with how much the difference in pay is going to end up being. Um, okay. uh, no straightforward answer, unfortunately. I'd love to give you one, but... It, it is something that you are going to have to discuss with your employer. And if you don't get a satisfactory answer, you, you may need to get some
0: representation.
1: I appreciate your, uh, yours, um, your help. Thank you. No Thanks problem. so
0: much, Steve. Gareth, once again, mate, brilliant to talk with you. We'll have to leave it there, even though we've got loads of calls and texts coming through. But we'll save it for next week if we can, Gareth. Thank you very much, my friend. Thanks, No
1: problem. Gareth. Thanks, guys.